Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Author Spotlight. If you're listening on Thrive After Sports, thank you for tuning on there. It's your boy, Taj Deshaun, and I'm here live today with the man himself, Mr. Daryl Stinson. What's going on, Daryl? Man, living my best life, and hopefully uh, we add some tremendous value to our listeners today, man, because we're talking about life after sports, mental health, stuff that's going to help people overcome those challenges so they can step into their most powerful self. So if you're sitting at home, make sure you take notes. And if you're driving, make sure you plan to take notes later. We don't want you to crash. Matter of fact, since we got Daryl on the on the podcast, if you're driving, you might just want to pull over. You know what I'm saying? You don't even <laughs> you might just want to pull over and be present. You know, and turn this off and wait till you get home or something. Matter of fact, if you go back, if you listen to all Thrive After Sports and you go back and listen to episode, I want to say it's like 65. I was on Second Chance Live with Daryl Stinson. Uh, you're still doing those lives, right? You got absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Do you even know how many how many of those you're at? by now uh i know i crossed the 50 barrier a couple weeks ago um so i'm probably over 60 about now um so yeah yeah it's been really phenomenal man and and it just keeps getting better and better because i'm getting better right and Mm -hmm. so now i know i'm asking more thought-provoking questions and and so yeah man i'm loving that's right man and just in case for some reason people don't know about daryl stinson they haven't seen the ted talk they don't know about the book right here who am i after sports just in case they don't know, I'm gonna give this man a brief intro out of respect, very brief, and then we're gonna dive in because I wanna have a I know Daryl's gonna bring a lot of value. So just so everybody knows, Daryl Stinson is a former D1 athlete, a dynamic motivational speaker, and founder of Second Chance Athletes. He's been featured on Fox, ABC, NCAA, TEDx. As we mentioned, he has a great TED talk. Go check that out. And some top podcasts across the United States. After going from suicidal to successful. Daryl uses his experience to help athletes and entrepreneurs shed their past stories and create massive impact that aligns with their highest purpose. Daryl is also the author of the Amazon best-selling book, Who Am I After Sports? Boom, you see it in the background there too, if you're watching on video. The subtitle of the book is An Athlete's Roadmap to Discover New Purpose and Live Fulfilled. Um, Daryl, man, I was telling you before we started recording, the book is phenomenal, not just because it gives some great advice and guidance to athletes who are transitioning, but because you dive into your story. So before you start dropping gems and and helping athletes in transition, man, let's let's just dive into a little bit about your story and and what that transition, I know we could probably spend hours on this, but just a brief overview of your transition and what that was like when you were done playing ball, man. Yeah, so I I never met a person who didn't think that they could have played at a higher level. <laughs> that that really was about it. Everybody's story gets better and better, right? They went from running a four seven to a four six. By the time they t- <laughs> done telling ten people, they didn't ran a four one, you know. And so, right. you know, whatever, it's relative, man. Uh, but I ask about your boy. Um, but you know, I always tell people this, man. Uh, going into my senior year in high school, um. I was ranked number three for uh, Mr. Basketball preseason rankings. Uh, Number one was a man by the name of Draymond Green. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was number nine in the Midwest for my position defensive end in football. So I went to Central Michigan University to play both. Uh, Our coaches, uh, you know, legendary coach Butch Jones, he's now at the University of Alabama. Uh, You know, they all said, Daryl, your talent, your height, your speed, your athleticism, it's not a matter of if you'll go to the league. It's just a matter of when. And so I got the big hit early. I burnt my red shirt. And then, um, man, I had a severe, uh, abrupt uh, back injury that caused me to have to have emergency surgery before my left leg went paralyzed. And that uh, was a real pivot for me. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. And you talk in the book about how at one point you knew your football career was over and you were still hanging on to, man, I might still be able to play basketball. You know, and, and that, <laughs> that I forgot I, I put reading. that in the book, man. I told my yeah, business man. that thing. No, but that jumped out at to me because I think it really speaks to how difficult it is for yeah. athletes, for us as athletes to like let go of that identity, you yeah. know. And I know you get into it in the book, but can you talk about what it was that had you reach that place of acceptance of, okay, I'm no longer an athlete. I have to start figuring out and mapping out a new path for myself. How did you get through that process? Well, as you know, uh, you know, I had to hit rock bottom. Um, so I had to end up in a psychiatric unit and never leave from having multiple suicide attempts. And it wasn't until then, um, after I survived it and have a complete turnaround faith encounter in that psychiatric unit that I said, well, now I have to learn how to accept uh, the fact that the sports will not be my future in terms of being an athlete and that there's something better out there for me. So it was, it was hitting rock bottom for me. Um, and then, you know, I give a series of practices in the book. So how can an athlete get to a place of acceptance? You know, um, one of the things I mentioned in the book is that you have to let go of your potential and start celebrating your accomplishments. So no more should have, would have, could have, right? And this is kind of how we opened up the episode was like, you know, everybody wants to tell you about their career and how awesome it is. And I'm all for celebrating the accomplishments, but it's when you're talking about your career because you're trying to uh, affirm or validate an insecurity that you have. That's where it becomes dangerous because you're really not living in acceptance. You're living in denial and you're talking about something you have not achieved. And when you talk about potential, it creates regret, which is a negative energy. But when you talk about what you actually accomplished, what you actually achieved and not the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, um, I was better than theoretically this person, it's a positive energy and it helps you to get to a place of acceptance and really move your life forward. Mm. See, that's huge. So for anybody tuned in on Thrive After Sports, I want you to hear what this man is saying. If you find yourself and you're saying, man, I could have been this and I could have been that, really think that, understand where that's coming from and it's rooted in bitterness and yeah. really lean into what Daryl is saying and, and focus on your accomplishments and celebrate that instead of living in the shit where the cut is. I think mm -hmm. that's huge, man. Yeah. Um, you also talked in the book about how, and I had this similar experience, man. You have this, like, as you realize, okay, it's over, you have this fear of, man, am I gonna be sitting in a cubicle for the rest of my life? Oh. Or like, that thought was terrifying to me, man. Oh my God. And uh, I remember having a conversation with one of my teammates and he was like, man, I have to go to the league. I can't, I can't just sit in the office for the rest of my life. And I had the same type of fears. Um, so after you were able to come to that place of acceptance, like we just talked about, celebrate, you know, what you yeah. accomplished and realize it's time to move on. How did you navigate those waters in terms of, because it's not like the idea for second chance athletes was born overnight. I'm sure you had a, a long road to get there. Yeah. How did you start carving out a path for yourself once you, had that, that place of acceptance? I, I, I figured it out. I did what you're doing. I did what everyone else is doing. Just as athletes, we've got that tenacity to figure it out. I think what separates me, and I, and I hope you picked this up from the book, um, that separates me from some others. And when I, when I say that, I don't mean better than, I just, I just mean what makes my process unique and what we do at Second Chance Athletes is that I was not going to settle for something that replaced uh, sports. I I needed to find a calling, a purpose that that fulfilled me more than my athletic career. 
So there was a lot of athletes when I went out about three to four years, um, arguably five after, you know, my suicide attempt and my turnaround moment that I started to look at other athletes and I was, I was excited about my future. And I noticed that they were living as if their best days were behind them and not in front of them. You know how I knew? Cause when I talked about work or life, it was like, this even tone energy. It was kind of like, yeah, man, I got, I got this thing going on, you know, got this little side hustle, got this business, you know, la la la. You hear the tone of voice. But then I was like, hey, man, uh, tell me, you know, about your career or whatever. Like, where'd you play at or, or something like that? And he'd be like, oh, man, you know, I play here. Ah, nah, yeah, I was this game, that game. Yeah, I was this good, that good. A whole different energy level. And there's a term that's popular in our circles called glory days. Mm-hmm. Think about what that means. That literally means that there is a time period in your life that was more glorious than what you're living in right now. And that's no way to live. And people like it's so abstract that people don't really understand it when I say it. So one of the ways I kind of make it uh, concrete that I wish I would have put in the book is I say it's almost like this. It's like being married for 20 years and then getting divorced and remarried within a year and then thinking you're not going to bring baggage into that new marriage. Mm -hmm. That's what we do to athletes. We throw them into a career, we throw them into a speaking brand, we throw them into the next thing, and they never really processed it. And you know, the statistics of second marriages are worse than first. Right. And so so it's the same thing. They're still going to struggle with internal issues, mental health issues. They're still going to struggle with insecurities. They're still going to struggle with drugs and whatever that particular person's uh, thing is that they turn to when they deal with mental, social, emotional pressure, and they don't have sports as that outlet. So when you actually walk through this process and you and you and you figure out how to detach your identity from sports, how to develop the mindset to believe that there is something greater in your future and that your glory days is nowhere near behind you. It's actually way out in front of you. That, my friend, is how you live a more powerful life. That is how you thrive after sports. That's what I'm talking about, man. So this is why we told listeners at the beginning to make sure you pull over if you're driving. <laughs> so there's no, you know what I'm saying? I know somebody right by me. Oh, hold on, let me focus back on the road. You, you were going off for a minute, man. So, oh, bad, man. I um, got excited, dude. I know. I love it, man. That was that was all. I love all of that. And I love the analogy that you gave. I've never really heard it, a uh, phrase like that, the, the marriage analogy or the second marriage analogy. Right, right. Um, because, you know, you and I, we probably talked about this before where there's that period where, yeah, we do a lot of athletes. We do try to mask it. Uh, for me, it was a lot of drinking in it, drinking and partying. I had an extended college after I came home. Yeah. There was no no healing period. It was like we talk about as well the scramble, trying to scramble to look. Let me just find something. Let me get a job. Let me just find something to tell people. You know, I'm adulting now, or I'm attaching my identity to this. Right. Like, sorry, you were gonna say something. Go ahead, man. No, I'm, no, I'm I'm shaking my head. Like, yeah, oh, okay, okay. Going, bro. I like, thought you were nah. gonna say something. No, nah, um, and then. Another thing that I thought was really huge, and you talk about this in the book, and you just alluded to it a minute ago, is that you can find something that's more than fulfilling or more than exciting. Than, than, and that's that's key. I don't hear that talked about a lot because a lot yeah. of people talk about, you know, I can find something or I'm on the search to find something that fills me up the same way as this sport. Yeah. But when you really flip that perspective to, man, I can find something more fulfilling. More. Like, yeah, that's more. the key. And it's a strong argument. And in and, and the book, I did cheat a little bit. I said just as or more, because I know that that sometimes the so you got to take people through steps. Right. And sometimes we want people to skip to the end without taking the steps that it takes to get there. And when you're working on your mindset, sometimes that's too big of a leap. 
right? No different than when you're trying to lose weight and you're like, all right, I'm going to go hard every single day. You know, that doesn't work, right? You got to start start with something small, something incremental that you can do consistently. And so sometimes it's going from unbelief to like, maybe this can equal what my career was, is a step for some people. And the people that are there, now let's take it to the next step and actually believe that my future is better than my past. Right, I love that, man. Tidbits, meeting people where they're at, giving them little steps. And then once you're at the, okay, I like that, man. That's really smart. Um, mm -hmm. And I know you get into it in the book. Once again, everybody, please go check out this book. You know, there's a lot of, uh, I'll put it this way, and I'm not knocking anybody. There are a lot of people putting out information or writing books who are in the transition space where they're talking about the transition but they're not necessarily providing solutions, all right? Now, there's a, a big difference. Raising, <laughs> raising awareness is one thing. Providing yeah. solutions is another thing entirely. That's why I have so much respect for Daryl, everything he's doing with Second Chance Athletes and with the book. Can we get into some of those solutions? So how do you, how do you go through the process of helping a former athlete? And I know it's not just athletes. You know, you, it, We're talking about military transition, but mm -hmm. how do you go through the, the process of helping an athlete or someone get to that point where they're yeah. finding something that's just as or more fulfilling. Yeah. So the, we have a proven process, right. Which is our athletes tra transition roadmap, which I outlined in the book. So this is the process and I'll, I'll give you the overview really quickly. So the first step is to accept, right. You, you cannot move forward. If you're still looking behind, you have to accept that your career is finished. The second step is to believe, right. If you cannot believe you will not achieve. And as cheesy as that sounds, it's true. Uh, you can have the skill set, but if you don't have the mindset, you'll self-sabotage. So it's all about how do I truly believe that there's a future that's brighter than my past, right? So you got to accept, believe. The third step is to discover. This is how do I discover what that next step is, that phase. And what I feel like is unique about my process is your highest purpose, right? So this is not just finding a next career. This is finding a purpose, right? A career is what you do. A purpose is why you do it. OK, and it's not to leave a better legacy and it's not to create a better family. No, your purpose should be as unique as you are. Um, so you got accept, you got believe, you got discover. And then the fourth step is to pers to pursue. You've got to actually go achieve it. Now, here's where we get into transferable skills, right? The things that help you be successful as an athlete. How do you apply that to your life after sports? You know, discipline, things that are going to help you. It's goal setting, time management, all that stuff that actually helps you achieve that goal and to, to, to reach an elite status again. And I think that's something athletes desire is like, I don't want to go from the top to the bottom. I want to go back to the top, you know, because I was already between <laughs> one, two percent in an industry. And so how do you do that? You pursue it. So you got to accept, believe, discover, pursue. And then the fifth step is persist. And then here's huge. And this is probably one of my, you know, the hardest thing about publishing a book, and you probably experienced this too, or maybe not, is is that is 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 sending it and saying it's finished. Man. Because you're like, oh man, like I, I there's so much more. And by the time I told my my editor like okay this is the final draft i learned something new the next day that i want to weave into the book but i can't keep doing that right and so so this fifth this fifth phase about persistence for me is really about mental health and i share some of the uh examples that i use and because remember you don't have sports as that outlet right and you got to learn how to manage emotions other than knocking somebody out or 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 or, or outdoing somebody outperforming somebody 
And so that's really what the fifth chapter is about. And I wish I would put a little bit more of some things that I did mental health, but there's some great stuff in there, but that is the roadmap that we walk people through. So when they're ready to get coached at a high level, we take them through step-by-step step this book. And we've got some additional resources um, on the back end that are in this book because we can't put everything. I didn't want to make it super thick because they would have been right. like, nah, I'm straight, bro. You know? <laughs> so I, and so I want to make it story, but practical. And that's what the book is. So, you know, that's the roadmap. Uh, one thing that's new, um, and it, it came out when the book was already published, but I connected with uh, a guy um, who has a team of 300 uh, Norwegian scientists. They're smartest ever. And uh, they have a, a tool that helps assess an athlete's um, on the field performance and after the game or, or off the field performance. And then also uh, to assess their work-life balance. I, I took it. It's a phenomenal assessment. You know what was missing? Mm. Athletic identity. And mm. so I told them about athletic identity. They they literally wove it into their assessment and gave us access to the tool. So now we can be able to tell if an athlete's identity is too strong is a technical term. I used to say high, but it's strong athletic identity. And if they have a strong athletic identity, that determines they're more probable to deal with addiction, alcoholism, uh, violence, uh, suicide, depression, those types of things. So I get asked all the time, as I'm sure do you, like, is do you work with college, pro, Olympic athletes? Which one? To which I reply, it's not a level of athlete. It's a type, which is a strong athletic identity athlete. That's right. what our process really helps with, right? So if you feel like you got a more holistic a, a version of your identity, we're probably not the best solution for you. But if you're like, man, I really can't see beyond sports. I really don't know beyond sports. I, I feel like we're the best solution for you. And so right. um, that, that is, that is, that is really where that comes into play. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which like you said, man, that it occurs at all levels, even high school, there's people, there's guys that play with in high school, man, who still talk about the glory days. As glory you said. Days. So, um, and I actually leads perfectly into another question I wanted to ask you because it's not just one level, right? And like we talked about at the beginning, I know you work with, uh, you know, military, just people having challenges with their identities in general. So what's next? What's the future of, I'm gonna put myself on mute after I ask this question, my dog is going nuts. Uh, what is the, the future of second chance athletes and everything you got going on? Yeah, that's a good question, man. You know, I can give you some, some theoretical ideas. I mean, even the military conversation is something that we're having. And we did talk to, a representative of uh, the Navy, and they wanted to partner with us to provide services to them and also to pitch, you know, the Navy to our athletes. Um, but that isn't something we've done yet. Um, that's something that we're planning to do. Um, but we've had some former veterans who have come into our ecosystem and, and we've been able to help them. But in terms of like an official contract with the government, we haven't got that yet. But that is something that um, I believe is in our future. Um, I've been told that our process um, of transition applies to anyone in the season of transition. So we talked about expanding the brand from second chance athletes to being second chance entrepreneurs, second chance marriages, uh, second chance CEOs, second chance, you name it. And, and so that it's more wide. I can see that happen. Like I, and at first I used to be really resistant to it um, because I really want to just focus on athletes and, and I really don't, know what it's like to be a second chance marriage i hope i never have to know what that's like um <laughs> right. but then i looked at uh how El how El elrod's excuse me uh, miracle morning book 
And he had Miracle Morning, Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs, Miracle Morning for Leaders, Miracle Morning for this. And I'm just like, oh, okay, I see. He just basically took the same process and like added in some specific stuff to that particular profession. So yeah, we could do that. Um, And so, yeah, I I think that's what's in the future. Man, we got a lot of stuff on our vision. Um, To me, when we surveyed our athletes, and at the time this was was when our list was only like 2,500 athletes in our database, um, now we're over 10. But um, when we surveyed our athletes, we found that their number one need in their life after sports was camaraderie, right? Which I thought it was like, you know, money or something. <laughs> but it was like, the, we, we are missing like that, that brotherhood, that sisterhood, that rah-rah, that like I'm around a bunch of high achievers, right? And I talk about that a little bit in the book. Like, um, I think I did. Did I tell the story about when um, I used to have everybody in my office trying to do push-ups? Yeah, or you told me that on the live last oh, time. Oh, did I? You were okay, getting everybody okay. hyped up, right? When you were working with the NCAA, right? Or you were no, no, no. Oh, so I was working at um, Central Michigan University as a marketing professional. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so, like, we'd be in team meetings. I'm like, hold on. Before we start this team meeting, everybody do some push-ups, right? And then they'd be like, what should we do to get students engaged? I'm like, oh, man, get the band, get the smoke, get all this stuff. And I, and I realized that I was trying to recreate the environment of my athletic career, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I have where, – where am I going with this right now? Um, there, there's a point to this. I lost my my train of thought. I was feeling good too. <laughs> I didn't lost my whole train of thought, bro. So it's all uh, good, man. yeah, so we got to pick I, I got, up. Sorry yeah, for cliffhanger, y'all. No, you're good. But that leads me because there's so much. There's so many different directions we could go, man. I got a page of notes based off of what you were saying. Let's go. Um, the whole idea about you being that hyped up in that environment and trying to you were talking about camaraderie, right? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Let me finish that thought. So, okay, okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, go ahead. Because it's important, because um, I, that is what our athletes need. So we talked about the vision of where we're headed, and and I know that we're going to have mentorship as part of our organization infrastructure. And if it's like, if I could wave a magic wand, I would have it be everyone has one dedicated person in that group so that you really feel like you get the attention you deserve. And obviously that would be volunteer driven, a little bit of compensation maybe for the leader or the mentor but I feel like everyone needs a mentor the an athlete mentoring an athlete so I know that's in our future we're going to do retreats um that'll probably happen this year uh, and again we switched our profit from an LLC to a nonprofit model which is good because that means there'll be no cost for the most part to uh the athletes because trust is really hard for an athlete to have you know especially at the pro and olympic level because um you know, other than the people who go bankrupt, you know, they really um, have a hard time trusting people because so many people are always want something from an athlete. Mm -hmm. So we're eliminating that barrier by just saying, hey, there's really no cost for you other than your time because we want to serve you. We don't want to take from you. We want to give to you. And so we'll do that. We'll have our second chance scholarship fund, which we uh, gave away the first uh, week of our book proceeds to uh, a youth inner city program that supported uh, athletes or underserved uh, communities. Uh, so we'll continue to do that. Uh, we'll continue to, um, to give away uh, scholarships. Um, the whole vision of se- the name Second Chance Athletes actually came from the fact that I worked for the university after uh, I transitioned out of sports and I had the opportunity to retake undergraduate courses because um, the university paid for my school because I had the right degree, but I didn't have the experience because I just got by and cheated my way through. Um, And so I was able to go back and retake it. So I had a second chance to succeed at life without the demands of sports. And so that's really where the vision for second chance athletes came through with a name. And so I want to do that, pay it forward, give people scholarships to go back to school and finish it out. 
Man, that's a beautiful thing, man. Definitely, I love the fact that you touch on that community aspect too, or the camaraderie. By the way, how are we doing on time? I know we're at the top of the hour. You got about like five more minutes or so. Five. Let's minutes. go, man. Let's do. Let's do five or ten. Okay, let's do it. Um, the community aspect is huge, man. And I love that you're, like you say, you're creating that trust factor, not by, hey, here's this mastermind group or whatever it is you got to buy into, but hey, here's a community of other former athletes who are here and waiting and willing to serve. I think that that's key, man. Um, I was having a conversation this morning with somebody who was saying something similar. We go from being a part of that tight knit group with our teammates, no matter what sport you played, to you're out at, in the world trying to figure it out, struggling with all these things that you don't know how to express and trying to map it out. So for you to be able to create that, almost like that way athletes can have a soft landing, you yeah. know, and know that there's a community they can rely on, which is huge, yeah. man. Yeah. And, you know, that's the most, honestly, that's the big, if anybody has. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if anybody has a solution, hit us up because we've tried a few things and, you know, had some success, but it ain't taken off. Like, Because here's what we ran into, man, is that, pe- you know, the sports realm is built off of competition. So, like, we literally had a group mm-hmm. and there was, like, for instance, somebody from, like, Michigan State in Michigan. Well, that's a big rivalry. So, like, that is embedded in them. I'm like, y'all don't even play no more. Y'all still like, oh, we don't mess with y'all Michigan. And I'm like, it, right. nobody cares. <laughs> you know, this is like, we're talking about business, not Michigan versus Michigan State. And so, like, exactly. we ran into that. And then the pride of an athlete, right? Your school is better than my school. You can't talk to me if I'm a pro and you're a college. You can't talk to me if you a swim and I'm a football. And it's like, oh, get all that stuff out of here. We on one team, on one accord, headed in the same direction. So uh, we ran into some challenges with that. So if anybody has a solution, hit your boy up because uh, we want to be a part of that solution. Yeah, man, I think that uh, the pride, I'm not even going to get into the rivalries and the competition, but just the pride in general of athletes, that was something that held me back for years, man. Whether yeah. it was pride just about admitting that I was going through something or pride to reach out or pride to, you know, being too proud to accept help from someone else, man. So I think it's probably a good time for you. Like, can you give some advice to athletes who are too proud to show that they're going through something or too proud to take a hand from someone who's extending them an olive branch and say, hey, we can help you out. Like, what, what advice would you give to those prideful folks, man, those prideful athletes out there? Uh, pride is the only disease known to man where everybody else knows you have it except for you. <laughs> so the, the question is, um, ask someone around you, hey, do you see pride showing up in my life? And uh, they'll be able to tell you because it's really hard to detect yourself because I don't think anyone's like intentionally being prideful. And here's what else I learned. And this is from me, you know, my years uh, being a pastor <clears throat> is pride mask is mask insecurity. Okay. It's a cover up for insecurity. And, and here's why that's important. And this is this will help anyone who coaches others, because when you're dealing with pride, the, the, the initial uh, response is usually to fight fire with fire. Right. Like I'm going to tell them how it is because they got a big head or a big ego. But the problem is that you cannot fight pride with fire. You have to actually fight it with water because it's really it's really masking an insecurity. Right. So I'll give you an example. Um, I do addiction recovery ministry because of my story. So um, I've got, we got 12 different partners here in Gwinnett County. And a lot of times I get people straight out the street, straight out the prison, straight out the jail, the court mandated, excuse me, into a program. And, and I can tell, you know, when I'm sharing and everything, cause I I don't have like the street create anymore, I guess. Like they kind of looking at me like this brother don't know what he's talking about. Right. And so I used to get mad and like go at him and like start bragging about the past and how I used to do this and that and that and that. I'm from the hood, you know, and all of that. 
and it never <laughs> it, it never really worked right and then i realized something that the reason why they won't let me in or let me speak into their life is because they don't think they're worthy they don't think they're loved they don't think they're a value right they mask that with insecurity because it's easier to say man i don't care what that brother's saying i don't care what that sister's saying than it is to say i'm hurt i'm broken i feel unlovable right my mentor les brown <clears throat> told me this he said uh never tell a story without making a point and never make a point without telling a story. So one one quick story here is um, I was literally in a meeting this past week and there's a dude from the street and I, and I shared this pride and security thing, right? So he said, man, when you said it, I thought I was pride, but I guess you said I'm insecure. So he said, you know, I really don't know. I just, I really don't know what that is. I said, so, you know, what are you afraid of? What do you, what do you um, feel um, scared to say? You know, um, what's your insecurity? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, no, I'm literally asking you right now. And he started talking, kind of rambling on, because, you know, when you don't know the answer, you just kind of ramble on. And then he finally says, well, I guess, you know, since I've done so much bad in my past, I feel like I haven't forgave myself. And if people really know what I did, they wouldn't, they wouldn't really rock with me. They wouldn't really love me. So I said, so you mean to tell me you feel unlovable? This dude was 6'3", 300 pounds. He was in tears. Cause he had never discovered that that's what it really was. It wasn't pride. It was that he felt like he was unlovable. And so then I was in the room. This was so powerful. Right? So I said, okay. I said, how many of you in this room, raise your hand. If you know that he did drugs, everybody raised their hand. Right? I said, how many of you knew prior to this moment that he felt unlovable? Nobody raised a hand. I said, how many of you now knowing that he feels unlovable would have something positive to say to him? Half the room raised their hand. I said, say it. And one by one, they started to tell him, man, I, I see, I see you, you're powerful, man. I see you as a leader, man. I see you as an entrepreneur one day, man. I see you as a person who will be a great father, great husband. And he was just in tears. So you at your question about how, what's my advice? My advice to you, if you're struggling with pride, ask somebody and let somebody in. And that's my way of telling a story and then making a point. <laughs> boom and we're gonna wrap with that man that's perfect for athletes to hear that story too man athletes run that story back and hear yourself in that man because a lot of the time that pride is coming from just wanting to be loved like daryl said and that was a great example of that man with that being said man thank you for your time today thank you for coming on and sharing thank you for the amazing work that you do in the world yeah. please tell people how they can follow up with you get in touch find out about more of these services get the book tune in with you know second chance live all that good stuff man yeah, I'm going to do two call to actions, even though um, all of my brand managers tell me to stop doing that. Number <laughs> one, if there's anything I can do to be of service to you, and I really mean this, email me if you're serious. Daryl, D-A-R-R-Y-L-L at secondchanceathletes.com. Okay. The second thing I will say is if you're an athlete and you have a story, I love to bring you on live or to, we've got a team of writers that we're developing right now where we want to tell like, Honestly, to be honest, my big goal, I don't know if it's two years from now, three years from now, five years, I want to tell an athlete story a day, like one story a day. I want to get to that point, right? And so if you have a story, a transition, a story of overcoming challenges, a story of dealing with mental health, a story of dealing with a disability, whatever that is, we want to share your story. And so just reach out to our team, connect at Second Chance Athletes, and then that'll begin that process. There it is. There you have it, folks. Man, Daryl, I can't thank you again for coming on today and sharing, man. This has been awesome. I'm excited to listen back to this episode, man. This <laughs> Thanks, is going to be dope. I'll make sure I get you all the, all the info. Folks, this has been another great episode of Author Spotlight and Thrive After Sports. 
with Daryl Stinson. Thank you for tuning in. Go get in touch with this man. Show him some love. Support what he's doing. Tap in with the content. And we'll see you next time. Peace, Daryl. Uh.